If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn, if you would, to Psalm 77. The Psalms were written, a lot of times these were recorded by the kings, their people in position, and they were part of their diaries, and I think it'd be really interesting as we focus on this this morning as that, being part of diary. Somebody who is going through a difficult time, I appreciate that song uh, this morning, it kind of reminds me of how eloquent the English language is. It can take and describe things on this earth to talk about the heavenly God. Somebody would sit down and write down with a pen um, it help us understand a little bit more of the love of God and to be able to understand his love. It's incredible, and I appreciate that song so much, and thank you for doing a great job with it this morning. I appreciate all of those that are that do the music around here at Grace. We, we don't want to adapt to the culture uh, of our day with the music. We want to make sure that it remains godly. And it, it goes this direction and not this direction. And so uh, pray with me, if you would, on that, that we would continue to stay the course. I want to talk to you personally this morning and give you an understand that there are going to be times in your life where you are faced with difficulties it may be at the end of your life. I don't know. Uh, these different times of pivoting. Here we see this. The psalmist writes out this beautiful psalm, 20 verses, of helps us understand on how he faces a difficult thing and how he's able to come out of it and straighten out and go in the direction God wanted him to go. But I want to give you the understanding that this particular message is meant for you. Uh, it's not meant for the person next to you. Uh, you may think, well, so-and-so, uncle so-and-so needs this. Um, I, I would want you to look in the mirror this morning and say, no, uh, I'm the one that needs this sermon this morning to be able to stay in, in, the, in, in, the, in the step with God and be able to walk with him. Look at verse number 10 again. And I said, this is my infirmity. And so this is where I get the personal thing from. The infirmity is talking about some kind of illness or some kind of difficulty you're dealing with. Maybe it be physical, maybe the mental, maybe spiritual or emotional, I don't know. But whatever it is, I really believe this psalm will help you. I think many times in our life we go through uh, difficult times and places and times where God um, does something in our life. Many of us have come to certain obstacles that seem uh, to prevent us from moving forward. And you may say that I feel like there is a wall in front of me I don't know why this is happening. It's slowing me down. I've got something to do. But life is actually giving me something different than what I really wanted to do. We'd be a mess if we just did what we wanted to do all the time. We've got to realize that there is somebody in control, and it's not you. It's God. And you may have personally never come to that place in your life where you said, Lord, I don't have any ability to do anything anymore. I'm resting in you. I need, I need you to help me. I, uh, a while back, probably 2019, the fall of 2019, we were meeting at Denny's for breakfast. It's called Bible Before Breakfast. We used to go there. Herlinda was a cook there downstairs, and she'd take care of us on Tuesday mornings, and we get together with some guys, and there was a guy that came to church here, and he said, I, I'm not sure if I want this church or not. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm going to come here, but I like you guys. You guys are t- teaching right here. I think it's a good church to go to, but I'm just going to keep looking around. And the next Sunday, he came back, and he says, uh, two Sundays later, he came back, and he said, you know, I looked around, and this is the place where God wants me to be. And so 
Lee Blanchard became a member of our church, um, was here, and he was desiring to use every bit of his time to focus on the Lord. Didn't take too long after he was here to where he came to my office and he said, Pastor, I'm sorry, but kind of losing the ability to, to speak at times. I can't, I can't speak right at times, and so please forgive me, you know. I said, that's fine. Uh, don't you worry about it, Lee. We just love having you here. And, and uh, he wanted to move forward with believer's baptism, and he was baptized here. Uh, I believe he was. I may be mistaken, but I believe he was baptized here. Um, but anyway, uh, he put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. In my office, he asked Jesus Christ to save him. I remember the day it happened, and he was so happy about it. But I, I, I want you to know that if, a little bit later, after we had that little conversation, he came in with a rag in my office. And I said, what's the rag for? And he said, that's for wiping up my spit after I'm done talking, because I can't talk to you guys. He slobbered all over my, my desk, and he wiped it up with his rag. I would be here at the church sometimes till 4.30, sometimes to be later than that because of the Bible Institute, and, and I would see him outside working on the property. He'd be down in the garage fixing some stuff down there, putting the electrical in, and, and just this week we found this. It had been gone. It was written January 23rd, 2020. So it's been a long time, kind of hidden down on one of the shelves downstairs in our basement, and it's from his wife, and she wrote it for him. She wrote on here, Lee, keep this in your car at all times. Um, it was also with this, this is actually a, he's got the top wall, and he's got a diagram of all the electrical boxes he wanted to put in downstairs for us so that we have electricity downstairs. In the Spanish-speaking department, they didn't have, they don't have what we have up here, the luxury of all of this. So he wanted to help them a little bit. And he got a little worse and got a little worse. And I think it was March 2020, I got a phone call from his wife that said he was taken in with COVID and he had passed away. This is what his wife wrote for him. Dear reader, I have ALS. It's called Lou Gehrig's disease. I can understand what you're saying to me, so keep talking. But you will not be able to understand what I'm trying to say to you. ALS causes my speech to, to be very slurred. My wife, Mary Ann Blanchard, is my emergency contact, and so here's her number. I receive my medical care at the University of Wisconsin if something should happen. I thought it was interesting I found this because I started thinking about one particular day he came in before he had gone home and I couldn't understand what he was saying. And finally I found out what he was saying. He was saying, when I die, will my house be near yours? When I get to heaven, will I be able to go see you I get there? How do you respond to someone like that? 
How do you respond to someone like that that's, that has something come into their life that, that actually was so unexpected because he was so brilliant with his ability and so caring with his skill that he was actually helping so many around here and all of a sudden, just like that, things changed. I really believe that that illustration was given to me to give to you because God wanted you to get serious about your walk with God. He certainly wants me to get serious about my walk with God. And I think it's interesting because sometimes it's easy to focus on our obstacles rather than going around them or jumping over them. And sometimes we're thinking, well, I can't, I can't go through this like this and I, I can't go any further because it's just too hard. Did you ever realize that maybe God has placed something in front of you so that you would pivot and step around it? When I was in the Marine Corps, you know this, Kirk, when we were in the Marines, we had to march. We had 80 men in the platoon, and we'd, they'd say left, right. We'd hear them. I was a platoon um, drill. I was a, a, a squad leader, and so I had guys behind me. And then we were listening to the drill instructor. He'd say, ready, pivot, and step. And we would pivot and step. And every single one of those 80 men would pivot and step, and we'd keep going at the same speed. You know how that was like. And so it was all part of the pivoting and step, and it was so neat. But sometimes God allows us to face pivoting points, and so we would pivot. And here's the whole sermon, that we would pivot Not necessarily away from what God wants, but what God desires and what God has for us. Sometimes we're going in the wrong direction and God is saying, I want you to pivot and step into what I have for you. But instead of of understanding that, some of us have decided that we are going to just go the same direction and not listen to what God has. Every single person in this room has pivoting points. And whether or not you're willing to pivot and point and step into what God has for you, then you're going to struggle. I read this years ago that God uses times that are difficult to guide us into his will. And if we do not listen, we will struggle even more because he is desiring for us to go a certain way. But we think we're greater than God at times, and we think we know better than God. And we think, well, this one, this is going to hurt me. No, it's going to help you. God has allowed all these things to happen to you to be your guide and to, and to be able to keep your steps going in the right direction. Someone wrote, all men have some measure of acquaintance with trouble. It's not given to us to travel through life under unclouded skies, favored by fresh breezes every day and enchanting scenery and delightful championships upon pleasant roads of ease. There are times when we have to walk in loneliness and sorrow with weary limbs, times with bleeding feet and aching hearts beneath darkened skies amid pelting storms. And I think if we were looking for life as an easy thing, then we're looking for the wrong thing. And what you'll end up doing is you'll end up trying to appease your own spirit and you'll try to get peace in a bottle or peace in a pill or peace with some kind of a wrong type of relationship. You'll never have peace until you come to Jesus Christ. I think sometimes... When we pivot and stop, we can pivot and stop during times of a crisis that leads us into a new way of living, a new life. And I pray that that 
pivoting and step where you would step and pivot right into the understanding of the cross of Jesus Christ. It might be a crisis. It might be a calamity that presses you downward. And no matter what you do, you feel like you cannot get up again, but you can. God will give you the strength. Maybe it's it's a captivity. Something that binds you from moving forward. Maybe there's a contention. Somebody hurts you deeply or whatever it is, but you're going through these times of hurt and these are pivoting points where you can cry out to God and God will give you the strength to continue on. We need to learn to pivot and stay the course and keeping our eyes on the goal. What What can happen if we're not careful? We can get out of step. We can lose our ability to keep the balance. We take our eyes off the goal. It may lead us to, uh, to, to lead others the wrong way. So let God give us direction. And if I can just share this with you, that whatever difficulty you're going through today, it's just temporary. It's going to get over. And you're going to get better. I love what... Isaac Watts wrote, just an incredible songwriter, and the poetry is just so intense, and maybe you're not into it, but listen to what he said. He said, let our songs abound, and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fair worlds on high. The, the chorus goes, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. And so what is the answer? The answer is found in the text. I want you to see with me in the first three verses that there is an agonizing account of an overwhelmed spirit. Maybe your spirit got overwhelmed with something and and you felt like you could never get over it and you seem like you're stuck in that. And maybe it happened, maybe it happened last week. I don't know. Maybe it happened 20 years ago. Maybe it happened 50 years ago. Let me just share with you a little bit of what God has taught me from this passage. And here there is, just in the first three verses, there is an agonizing account of an overwhelming spirit. Look at verse number one. I cried unto God with my voice. Even unto God with my voice. It seems like he's talking about himself personally, don't you? He's not talking about somebody else. The person that wrote this is saying, I I am crying out to God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran down in the night. It ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. I think verse number three gives us an understanding that when we focus on God, sometimes God brings the conviction to us even more. That we have erred in his way. I was talking to, years ago, I had a fellow get saved, and he called me up the next day, and he was talking about that salvation experience and how that he was in a car, and he, he actually, or a truck or something, and he turned the corner, and some stuff in the truck that was supposed to stand upright went down but he didn't cuss like he normally did. He didn't get upset like he normally did. He understood that the peace of God was there right at that time, that God gave him the ability to be able to endure when a difficult thing happened. But what causes the spirit to be overwhelmed? I think sometimes physical trials. 
bodily pain and disease. I've never experienced pain like I've experienced in the last couple of years. I've had difficult things happen to me. I was in a motorcycle accident years ago. I, I was in a hospital for 62 days. They used to cut at my, my, my skin on my left leg to take all of the skin off. You say, oh, that must have really hurt. That was nothing compared to what I've had recently. With the back pain and the back issues that I've been dealing with, maybe you've got pain. I know what you're dealing with now. I understand. It hurts. And so what causes our spirit to be overwhelmed? Physical trials, sometimes social trials, disappointments in relationships, uh, losses in business, inconsistency by those that you thought loved you and were true to you. Maybe it's the death of somebody that was close to you. Maybe it's a religious trial. Your imperfections, your sin, your sins grieve you so sore that you're so disgusted with yourself. Maybe it's that unreached expectation morally that you tried to reach, but you're grieved in your spirit because you cannot reach that place. I don't know what you're going through. But sometimes we have overwhelmed spirits This particular psalm gives us clarity on what the feeling is like. What intensifies a spirit that is overwhelmed? I think we look at verse number two, we see when situations seem to never end. Is this ever going to get over? I want to share with you that it is going to get better. When your spirit refuses to be comforted, when you remember that God, and and that troubles you when you remember him, when when your meditations uh, uh, increase, about your past, you can take it to the Lord when your spirit is overwhelmed. So I see this first point that I wanted to give to you and help you to understand, first of all, the agonizing account of an overwhelmed spirit, but I also see the alarming uh, acknowledgement of an overwhelmed spirit. In other words, there must be something actually acknowledged by you or me that you're overwhelmed. You can't just lay there and moan. you got to speak out. Listen to what it says in verse 4. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot even speak. Pretty powerful. Look at verse number five. I have considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. And I call to remembrance my songs in the night. And I commune with mine own heart. And my spirit made diligent search. It's kind of like Jeremiah in chapter 4 when he was overwhelmed. He said this, my bowels, my bowels, I am, I am pained. My, my seat of affection, my emotions are so pained and very, right to the very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet and the alarm of war. The alarming acknowledgement of an overwhelmed spirit. Would you say to God, God, I agree with you that I don't have the ability to handle this overwhelming spirit. This is what the psalmist was like. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 19 says, Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous, but I said, Truly this is a grief and I must bear it. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 
or Habakkuk 3, verse number 16 says, When I heard, my belly trembled and my lips quivered at my voice and rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled in myself. And maybe this is you. You're acknowledging then that you are like some of the minor prophets, that you are like Jeremiah, one of the major prophets, that you are like the Apostle Paul when he fell to the earth. You are like the average person that goes through difficult things. Be real and be honest even during your times of trouble. And acknowledge it before God. I can't sleep like a nervous watchman. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse number 1, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes up in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved Sleep. The psalmist says, I cannot speak in verse number four. Sometimes an overwhelmed spirit deadens the mind. An overwhelming spirit will actually paralyze the individual that they can't even think about what to do next. Renewing it daily helps revive it, and it comes alive again. I think it's important for us to understand when we can't even speak, we need to stand up and face toward heaven and acknowledge that God is on his throne. That'll give us the the ability to continue to move forward. Verse number five, what I could do in in rehearse uh, past accounts of his mercy where he forgave me time and time in the past. Calm, but not silent praises and thanksgiving were sung in the past. And now I remember, I remember that you were there with me when I had songs in the night. When it was so dark that I didn't know how to step forward or what to do, you were there with me. And you gave me that inner calmness and that peace through singing. I love to be able to hear people sing on the way to the church this morning. I put in a CD. I'm trying to figure out my CD player in my truck still. It's a 2005, so it's old. But I still don't know how it works. It it actually has like six places or five places for CDs to go into it. And so if I put the CD up and I push load, it says select, select disc. So I push it, you know, push number one, and it'll say feed. The de- it tells me what to do, but I put it up there and it doesn't do anything. So then if I push it really hard, I think it's going to help it, right? It doesn't work that way. These, these things work, you know, with tenderness and so on. So this morning I pushed a few buttons, and I've been really agitated over the last 15 years with this truck, trying to figure out the CD player, and it took my CD in. It was my uncle's CD. Took it in. And he started singing Gentle Shepherd. Come and lead us. Gentle Shepherd, come and feed us. A song that just seems to be what I need at times. To understand that our God is gentle. And he will help us. In fact, David said, it is thy gentleness that has made me great. Showing us that it's not his harshness, it's not his discipline, it's not all of his expectations of me, it is his gentleness that'll make me the person that he wants me to be. Oh, gentle shepherd, come and lead us, come and feed us, is what I need during times of difficulty. 
times of despair, times of delusion, times of deception. I need him to come and lead me, especially during the nighttime when it's dark. And then I see verses 7 through 10. It's interesting because this is the affirmed acceptance of an over. Whelming spirit. So you acknowledge it, and now you need to accept it. Your spirit is overwhelmed. Look at verses 7 through 10. And what's interesting about this is there actually the remedy is in front of you, and so you can see this, and you can actually be a biblical counselor, take someone to this particular passage and show them what helped the particular individual here that helped David. Look at verse number 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? What a question. This is really beginning the pivoting point of his life. In his mercy, clean gone from ever. Is his mercy gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in in anger shut up the tender mercies? You know what Satan is going to say? He's going to say, yes, you've gone too far. You can't be forgiven, but I'm telling you this morning that you have not gone too far, that the grace of God will go deeper, and he will grab you and pick you up and pull you out of that miry clay, and he'll set your feet upon solid ground. He will do that again. That's the promise of the Almighty God, and don't listen to Satan. Listen to the Word of God. Let the promises strengthen you. This is the beginning of the pivot that brings the psalmist out of his self-focus. And 20 times in six verses, we find reference to self. And then all of a sudden, there's no reference to self in eight more verses. Because he's shifting, he's pivoting from all of my problems and my woes and my disgusting ability to be able to move forward. And with my frailty, I turn to God. And I say, here I am, Lord. And will you forget me? Six times, questions are asked. And these are not doubting questions, but affirming questions. This gave him confidence to pivot and stop. Because he knew, he knew, look at verse 7 again. He knew that God would not cast him off forever. And he knew that God would be favorable again to him. And he knew that God's mercy was going to be there and his promise didn't fail. And he knew that that God would never forget to be gracious and he knew that God would turn his anger and place upon him his tender mercy. He knew that. And you can know it too. What What God didn't cause in your life, he will use. You say, well, I don't know why this is all happening. doesn't matter. God will use it for his glory. You say, well, I, I shouldn't have been there at that particular... I know that. God knows that. But you were. But God's going to use it for his glory. Well, I had a difficult situation. I had no other choice at the time. God knows that. And he'll use it for his glory. If you'll let him. He now firmly accepts his infirmity his affliction, his weakness in the faith. 
And then I want you to look at verses 10 through 12 because there's an adequate adaptation of an overwhelmed spirit. Look at verse number 10 and follow along in your Bible with me. I said, this is my infirmity and I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. The right hand is where his power is. And so this is what he's alluding to, that this is my infirmity. I must carry this burden. I am accepting it. God has made me this way. I've gone through this. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to acknowledge him. I'm going to understand that his right hand will give me the strength and give me the ability. Listen to what he, listen to what he says. Look at verse number 11. And you want to underline this. Verse number 10 in the middle of it says, I will remember. Look at verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works and talk about thy doings. You know what the psalmist is saying? That I'm getting my focus off of my problems and my infirmities and my difficulties because if I'm going to make a list of all kinds of things that, and problems that I have and every single one of us could make a list, I wonder if your list is longer than mine. I don't think it is, dear friend. Satan has made you think that you're different than everybody else. There's no trial or temptation that is given to man that's going to be different to anybody else. You're not odd. You're just human. You're not different than somebody else with all of your difficulties and the way that God made you. God allowed you to be who you are. And he formed you for a purpose. And for you to be able to understand this message this morning will help you then understand that if you want to focus on God and how wonderful he is and how powerful he is, and that's what the last few verses do in here. It's talking about the storm. It's talking about even the waters. And it's amazing how the hills tremble at the voice of the almighty God, that our God who is high and lifted up is so awesome and so wonderful and he is so big. It makes us look so puny. But here we're so worried about things. We think that there's no hope and no help, but there is. And God will give us that ability. Moses pivoted and stepped into the will of God and knew a new man with a purpose after the time that he experienced at the burning bush. There was a woman that met Jesus at the well. There was Mary Magdalene. What a beautiful story of someone who was demonically possessed and how she met Jesus Christ and she was completely delivered. I think about the wild demonic man that was in the Gadareans. Remember the story and how that he actually came out and he was in his right mind. And I remember the woman bleeding for 12 years and how she touched the hem of his garment and she was permanently changed. And you can be changed too because God is still in the business of helping you and loving you. It's interesting when we think about having purpose and determination to set our focus on that which is vertical, things change. But if we keep it on the horizon, we'll just listen to a country song and drink another beer. That's all we'll do. And we'll say, I'll just take medication the rest of my life because I was made this way and I'm just no good. God's bigger than that, dear friend. I remember his right hand because that's where his power is. That's where deliverance is. 
The Bible says in Exodus 15, verse number 6, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. In Psalm 17, verse number 7, Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Psalm 18, 35, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, the right hand. Thy right hand hath holded me up, and thy gentleness has made me great. Psalm 18, verse number 35. Psalm 20, verse number 6, I know the Lord. I know, now know I that the Lord saves his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. I will remember the works of the Lord. I remember the wonders of old. And I will meditate on thy works and talk about them. I, I love the songs when I was a little kid. We used to sing, Let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings is he. Remember that song? How, how does it go? Thank you, Benito. Yeah. You know what? I think if we did that a little more often, things would change around us. But mostly things would change within us. Because we would understand who God is. And we'd be able to tell others and meditate upon what he's done for us. You know what he's done for me? He's helped me through the years. He's given me strength and power when I had none. God is our strength and power. Physically, and spiritually. And then 13 through 20, I don't have time to develop this, the aggressive acceleration of an overwhelmed spirit. And what I want you to what I want to say into that, let me just read a few verses. Thou art the God that dost wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph Selah. And again, Selah is raised up an octave because they would actually sing this. And then they would get a little bit louder and a little bit higher because of the motivation and the acceleration in the song. But it's because our God is the great God of heaven. And he'll give us the strength to get through anything and to overcome anything because he is our God. Pivot points, they happen all the time. But maybe it is that God is allowing us, and he's saying from heaven, pivot and step, so that we pivot and step toward the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we come to the cross of Christ, that's where we find an incredible amount of hatred, but also eternal love. Because how could they take someone so innocent and beat him beyond measure? The greatest hate crime ever done was done by those that crucified our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? They persecuted him. They're going to persecute you. They are so jealous of you. You know why? Because you have grace, and they will never get it anywhere else but Jesus Christ. Satan hates you because you have grace, and he will never get it. You have grace. You have time. You have the ability to move forward. Isn't it wonderful to know that you serve a God like that? Then why are we whining all the time? Why are we so discouraged Friends, we ought to accelerate in this and say, guess what? Jesus is still saving souls. He's still baptizing people. He's still helping them with their their problems and their issues. You see, our God can do anything. 
we should be able to do that with others and encourage them. I don't know where you're at spiritually today, but if you've never come to Jesus Christ, today is the day to come to him. Maybe it'll be at 1245, the 20, what's the day, 24th? The 24th. Maybe it'll be the, maybe, maybe it'll be 1224, the 24th, that you would actually accept Jesus Christ into your life. It's pretty simple. He died on the cross. Remember that? He was crucified. He was crucified, he was beaten, and he died, and they hung him on a cross. Remember that? They took him down, they put him in a grave. They put him in a grave for three days and three nights, he was put into the grave. On the third day, early in the morning, he came out of the grave alive. He is resurrected, and he's at the right hand of the Father today. That's where the power is, remember that? All power has been given unto Jesus Christ. We are without excuse. Jesus Christ has done everything for us. If we turn to him and we internalize him by accepting him, Lord, I know what you've done for me. I know I'm a sinner. Would you come into my life and save me? He will save you. He loves you. Well, you're a Christian, but you've kind of lost your way. Then come back to him. Because you know what? He hasn't changed a bit. He's the same loving father he was when you left. He'll put his arms around you. Remember the prodigal? I saw God run from the song. You know what? When he kissed his son, if you look at that particular text, the verb is he kissed him over and over and over. He took him around like this and he kissed him all the way back to the farm. You're home. I'm so glad you're home. That's exactly what Jesus will do for you. He'll put his arm around you and he'll keep kissing you till you see him in his glory. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe God has already worked in your heart prior to the meeting today. But this is just really a sealing of what God has already done in your soul. Maybe this is a pivoting point for you. A turning point. You're turning away from the old and going to the new. This is a time for you to say yes to him. And come to him. His arms are open wide. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just stand to your feet? No one looking around this morning. Let's have an old invitation, an old-fashioned time where people can come. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Why don't you come? Maybe you've been distant from God for a while. Why don't you let him work in you? Come. I'm going to pray, and as soon as the piano begins, the invitation will begin. And if you need to spend time with the Lord, whatever it is, then you come. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would work in this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.